Selena Sardothian has survived deadly contests and shattering heartbreak, but now she must travel to a new land to confront her darkest truth. That truth could change her life and her future forever. Meanwhile, monstrous forces are gathering on the horizon intent on enslaving her world. To defeat them, Selena will need the strength not only to fight the evil that is about to be unleashed, but also to harness her inner demons. If she is to win this battle, she must find the courage to face her destiny and burn brighter than ever before. The third book in the number one New York Times best-selling Throne of Glass series continues Selena's epic journey from woman to warrior. Hi and welcome. Thanks for joining us today. I'm your host, Jacqueline. And I'm your host, Nicole, and you're listening to the first season of Perfectionist. So today we're talking about Air of Fire by Sarah J. Maas, which um, is a given, given the uh, title of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this is our heavy spoilers episode. Mm -hmm. So this is an exciting one. And it takes place after the events of Crown of Midnight, where it is actually extremely sad because Princess Nehemia was murdered. By she was horrible grave. <sighs> Heartbreaking. It really was. So uh, yeah. Selena took that very hard. I mean, makes sense. They were like she BFFs. finally found her friend again. I know. She does she not have good luck with friends, luck. right? The worst luck with friends. <laughs> Seriously. Oh my gosh. So Selena has been sent to Wendelin by Kale. So Kale has like, in the previous book, Crown of Midnight, Kale devises plan to send Selena to Wendelin. He's thinking he's getting her out of kind of the harm of the king, like get her out of the way. She'll be safe over in Wendelin. And the king agrees to this because two reasons. Kale convinced his dad to support this plan by saying he would return to his hometown and take over as Lord which his dad has been wanting him to do since he left. He's, yeah, he's been bugging him about it. The king agrees to send Selena to Wendelin so that she can kill the royal family and like as part of her job as the king's champion. Right. And she goes over there and the very, very end of Crown of Midnight, we find out her massive big secret. And this whole time she has been this, you know, mystery thought to be dead princess Aelin Galathinius. It was like <laughs> <laughs> and then Kale's like, what have I done? Sending her there. And she goes there and we begin the story with her there absolutely drunk as a skunk. Completely yeah. out of it. She's like given up on even trying to kill the royal family. She's given up on everything. She's, She's shattered. She's just Absolutely. totally like shattered and uh, just not caring at all about anything. She's literally lounging around on rooftops, baking in the sun, drinking herself silly in her mm -hmm. grief. It's yeah, it's sad. It's very sad to see because you see her as this powerful person in both Assassin's Blade, Throne of Glass, and Crown of Midnight. And it's like, this is such a complete and like drastic change from the, the fire. First the fire her. seems to be gone from her and she's mm -hmm. like her, her swagger is nowhere to be found. She is oh. just. Yes. Extinguished. Those are excellent ways to describe how she's being portrayed. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. So she's got her depression. We assume she's got PTSD. I think that's a fair assumption. Mm -hmm. Um, she's trying to cope with it, with the drink. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it, it makes sense the way that she's acting. I think it was very, I like that Sarah put this into the story because yeah. in mm -hmm. real life, if someone were to go through the traumas that Selena has gone through, 
mm-hmm. in such a short period of time, being in prison for a year, then being forced to fight in like this battle to the death, having your best friend brutally murdered in a mm-hmm. way that reminds you of your first boyfriend and how they were brutally murdered before you went away. Like too many things has gone on in her short mm-hmm. life. And remembering she's only like 18, maybe 19 at this point. Yeah. She's such a short young. life. And yeah. anyone who's gone through that is going to have to work through it in some way. And this is a very realistic way that someone would work through these traumatic events. Definitely. And she's also alone. Like she's totally alone over there. So she mm-hmm. doesn't even have, you know, Kale or Dorian or anyone that she may know and around her. So, I mean, she was, but she was struggling really heavily in Rifthold too, um, obviously because she blamed Kale for everything. So there was, yeah. So she's also dealing with the breakup of somebody who she loved. <laughs> yeah, on top of everything <laughs> on else. On top of everything else. So. Yeah, not yeah. just like a breakup, but like she feels deeply betrayed by what he did mm-hmm. as well, which kind of another layer to just everything that's going on for her. So I respect the fact that everything Sarah Everything is this bad. In. Everything is bad for her right now. Yeah, she's in a very bad place. And so many books and movies and TV shows, like something so traumatic will happen and then they just kind of brush over it. And I'm like, wait, what? Sorry, huh? And like she stopped and like let us sit in this moment Mm -hmm. with Selena. And I'm like, thank you. Totally. Uh, Too often that happens, less now than in the past, but too often that happens where – um, and in fact, I can't even enjoy movies or shows that do that now where something just crazy happens. People die and then the gang just keeps going and they're joking around. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, like, okay, I could see in some circumstances if you're in that situation and maybe you have like a mission or something and you're joking around as like a way to cope so that you can get through that. But mm-hmm. that's not what they're doing on these movies. They're just like, that happened. That was crazy. Let's just keep moving the plot forward and we're not going to be dragged down by this over here. Mm-hmm. And I find that so unrealistic that it it actually like inspires some disgust in me and I almost mm-hmm. can't continue watching if that happens. And yeah. um, it, it feels like a huge plot hole to me. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I get very bothered when characters act out of character for like the established kind of character that has been created. And then when they just act out of a normal person, how they would act. Yeah. Those two things really upset me. (laughs) So as Selena is drunkenly stumbling around something unexpected, well, actually, I think she does expect this to happen. I think she has been waiting for this moment to happen. And we see this figure appear And it's a very imposing figure. And in this moment is our very first look at a fade male. Yes. And his description is just very like, here I am. Here I am. And it like sort of scary, intimidating, Mm -hmm. sort of feral and animalistic. And uh, just, I just love that because it just adds so much like, there's an edge to every time you see a fade. There's always like this danger edge to it. Mm -hmm. Love that. (laughs) <laughs> and I think it like described like all like the shutters like closing up and like there was like a, a vagrant fighting with, well, not fighting with her, but like verbally a- accusing her of like stealing her corner. And Selena's like, wow, I must be really looking not so great if somebody thinks I'm trying to steal their like homeless <laughs> area. Yeah. Um, and so this lady who was, it describes her as this mad woman who was kind of coming at Selena all of a sudden is like backing away, like, never mind. I'm going to just get out of here. Yeah. And Selena's like, yep, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Yeah. So, like, obviously our first impression is like, whoa. And I think it's meant to be kind of a whoa moment. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This is what the third official book, but fourth if you include the prequel. Mm-hmm. I have been waiting for this moment. <laughs> I have been waiting for this moment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I was not disappointed. It was like, mm-hmm. yeah, got the adrenaline going a little bit while I was reading this moment. But then yeah, he's I like, would... he's like, 
<laughs> so he sees her and she, everyone else thinks she's like a homeless <laughs> figure laying there. Like, yeah, maybe. individual. Yeah. So he, he's obviously, he like comes upon her and he's disgusted. <laughs> it's like, this yeah. is the person I've been sent to get. <laughs> it's like pathetic. Like he's just yeah. like so disgusted by her. Mm-hmm. So why do you think he's like so nasty? I have absolutely no idea why he's so nasty. Like, I guess later on we kind of learned some things, but I don't like, I wasn't disappointed in his introduction, the way he was introduced to the story I thought was really well done, but I was very disappointed in him as a person. I guess he's not a person. I was very disappointed (laughs) in him as a character. And I was like, dude, what's your problem? Like, just why? Why are you being so incredibly rude? Why are you so nasty? And I guess it's like, has to do with his connection to Maeve and everything he's had going on in his past. He's got a lot of trauma in his past as well. He's very loyal. He's a soldier. Yes. He's a soldier acting like a soldier. And I'm just like, dude. Well, from his perspective, because at first I was like, thinking man he's so mean because <laughs> we know what selena has been through we've been there mm-hmm. with her in the highs and the lows and mm-hmm. so when he's mean to her i feel almost protective of her like i'm like how dare you you don't know what she's been through like but he actually doesn't know what she's been through <laughs> so from yeah. his perspective he's been sent to ke- uh to uh fetch aelin galathinius the lost princess of Terrison. And mm-hmm. all he finds is this drunken mess in an alleyway. His first impression of her, I think, I can understand. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, uh, and he is very um, kind of unyielding in his judgment with her. <laughs> and yes. he's not afraid to let her know it. Rowan uh, then takes Selena to Mistward, which is a fortress on the border of Wendland and Doranel. Mm-hmm. And um, so... So Wendlin, as we have previously explained, is the human area, and Doranel is the Fey territory, or mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if it's considered a kingdom. I kind of think they call it the Immortal Lands. So, okay, so the it's Immortal Lands of, of Doranel, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So I just I for in my head I had it was like a kingdom because Queen Maeve and stuff, but yeah. Um. So Maeve is actually her aunt mm-hmm. she is related to this queen and um <clears throat> selena has gone there because she wants to ask Maeve about the word keys and and mm-hmm. all that stuff um, but Maeve is like no you need to prove yourself worthy mm-hmm. and she, i know the I will, answers i know the I answers know. but i'm not giving them to you shoo prove yourself worthy and then we will talk Mm-hmm. And she has to like prove herself worthy to Rowan so that Rowan can pass on to Maeve like she is worthy. Yeah. So now she's stuck with this guy. Stuck with him. I like that she's stuck or, with him. I was like, yes. I know that a distinction was made. For the Fae, they're not called men, they're called males. Yeah. Is that what the distinction yeah, was? Yes, because humans are men. Yeah. And women. And Faye are males and females. Okay. Yeah. So Maeve has some pretty strict rules about who gets to enter the immortal realm. So basically, not only does Selena have to prove herself to get the answers, but she needs to prove herself so that she can go into the immortal lands so that she can get the answers. So mm-hmm. she can only get them if she goes to Dornell, and she can only get into Dornell if she proves herself. And essentially, if you are full-bred fae, then you are welcome into Dornell and all that land. However, if you are a, do they call it half-breed? In this? Yeah. Yep. Half-breed, so yep. insulting, then you need to prove yourself. And only like the gifted of the half-breeds get to enter into Dornell. So that's what missed, missed word? Missed word, yeah. A missed word. Yeah. Missed word. She says it's one of the uh, several proving grounds they have for the half-breeds to go ahead and try and do that. Meet Mm -hmm. the qualifications. (laughs) Yeah, and if you don't meet the qualifications and you are allowed to stay 
in that area, like in one of the fortresses along yeah. the border. Mm-hmm. Or you can like go and live with the humans, I guess, if you want to. Sort of sad because it's like, where do yeah. you belong? Yeah. And it's like quite literally gatekeeping. Yeah. Li- literally. Or gates. <laughs> Keeping my g- gates the, are shut. The demi fay out or physically. Out. <laughs> yeah, physical <Seriously>. gates keeping <laughs> them. Out. So yeah. I personally think that that's like really harsh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> it's like how do you tell people like you don't belong more than? Yeah, literally, you cannot step past here unless you prove yourself. I mean, I guess you mean- just say it, and you yeah. have the power to back it up if anybody resists. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I guess when you've lived as long as she has, because like, I don't know if we find it out in this book. And I don't think it's like that big of a deal if we don't. But she's like one of the oldest or if not the oldest Fae. To prove herself, Selena has to show off her gifts or I guess master her gifts. And the first of that being she needs to shift. Because since we know that she can shift because she did it in the portal in order to save Kale and Fleetfoot. Oh, and yes. But she doesn't like it. The way that it was presented, it was like she was releasing the beast or, you know, something like that, where it's like, clearly she is not a fan of going into this fae form. There's got to be, you know, a lot to uncover with that. Mm-hmm. And so Rowan is trying to get her to shift into her fae form. And that's kind of like the first part of their training. The first, like quite a bit of their training is just him convincing her like trying to push her into shifting yeah and push her he does obviously as you mentioned like she's got some seriously bad association with her fae form we don't exactly know why at this stage in the book Mm -hmm. but she is seriously repulsed by it i think she yeah she says it's like the monster within so yeah, mm-hmm. she's not approving of her fae form. Whenever I think, a side note, whenever I think of her fae form in the portal, mm-hmm. the image I have in my mind is so sleek and powerful. It's like, yeah. I just, yeah, anyway. <laughs> just uh, Whenever I think of it, I always think of that she's blue, like in that movie. <laughs> blue? <laughs> yeah. Like um, her skin? Yeah. I don't, I, I oh. know it's not. I 100% know she just is like herself, but with like canines and pointy ears. And but, um, like longer limbs. She's mm-hmm. taller and she's just, her her body is more fey. So yeah. physically she is transformed. But I always picture her as the people from, oh my, the very popular movie. It just came Avatar? out. Like, Avatar? Avatar. I 100% always the Navi. picture an avatar, mm. a Navi. Fair enough. And it took a – like, I think I've kind of gotten past that at this point, but probably for the entirety of this book, I always just pictured them that way. And I'm like, this Interesting. isn't real. This isn't how it's written. <laughs> You're making things up. <laughs> In Wendelin, Selena is training with Rowan. And we've already discussed that he's quite nasty towards her. But he is calling her some things that are just downright – I was so frustrated. I was so mad at him at this point in the story when he's, like, trying to train her and trying to get her to shift. And the things he says to her, I was fuming. Like, I was ready to, like, crucify this guy. Like, he's not a guy. Male. <laughs> I was just so incredibly upset. And I know so many people online love Rowan. And it's, mm. like, that's their favorite character. And I'm just, like – how? How can you like this person? This Faye? How? I was just so frustrated with his behavior. Yeah, he was a nasty. <laughs> I was uh, surprised, actually. Um, I don't know. So there's like an uh, <laughs> enemies to lovers trope, right? And mm-hmm. this is kind of somewhat like we know he's not like an enemy enemy. Yeah. But he's definitely not like a friend. <laughs> mm-hmm. And He's so mean to her. Like, and and he's he says things to her that are pretty triggering for her too. Like he calls her a coward. And that's the yeah. last thing Nehemia said to her that's triggering. So Rowan takes her to the Barrow Whites and tells her if she can cross the mounds, he will take her to Doranel. So obviously mm-hmm. it's like to me, it was like he's just throwing her to the wolves, essentially. Yeah. 
but so while she's crossing this weird field thing or whatever is what I was mentioning in my mind. Yeah. Um, there's all these like mounds, I think, right? <laughs> yeah, that's. I was picturing a field like with yeah, like humps of dirt. Yeah, me too. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> she's attacked by some unknown creature. And Mm -hmm. while she's being attacked, she ends up seeing like these flashbacks of really horrific stuff, Mm -hmm. Uh, like probably the most traumatizing things she's experienced in her life, like her parents' death, Nehemia's death. So her parents' death, I I don't think we've been treated to sort of learning about too many details. Like Sarah's been feeding us little bits and pieces about her childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and while this is happening, she's uh, is is it while is it while this is happening? She's shifting back and forth uncontrollably. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so it seems like when she's got some serious terror going on or whatever, she she mm-hmm. loses control over her shifting. So it's interesting because obviously <clears throat> I don't, we haven't really discussed this, but so uh, Selena or Aelin, as Rowan calls her. Um, it seems that in this world, there are Fae who can shift into different forms. So Selena's form is a human, but her, her actual, like, so when she's human, she is shifted. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like that is her animal, so to speak, form. Mm -hmm. And her, her normal form that she was born as is Fae. Mm-hmm. I'm curious if Selena presented as Faye when she was a child, because that mm-hmm. was her true form, yeah. and human is her shifted form, and sort of what that looked like as her childhood, like for that experience. Right. Did her parents hide that part of her? Did they have her shift into her human form when, like, if they had people come over, or was right. it just like everyone knew she was part Faye or like was yeah. Faye bodied? Yeah, that's. Yeah. Really good question. I am enjoying how we get like small snippets of her childhood, like very small snippets, Mm -hmm. because it keeps you being like, well, I have to keep reading this because I want to find out. (laughs) Keeps you interested. So her Selena's training with Rowan continues, but she doesn't seem any closer into shifting and like uh, being in control of shifting into her Fae form. Mm Mm-hmm. It does uh, it does seem like it's because she doesn't want to though. <laughs> yeah. Um when she's trying like it doesn't her heart's not in it. Yeah, there's some sort of a mental block. Mhm. Rowan <laughs> bites her which I knew I had been spoiled that via fan art. But when when it happened, I was like not the way it happened was um <laughs> not what I expected. I was expecting them mm-hmm. to be like, okay. I was so <laughs> I'm gonna just say what I expected. And yeah. I I am not caught up with the books yet. I'm reading Empire of Storms right now. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> what I could say could be wrong, although I'm pretty sure it's not. <laughs> I ex- when he bit her, I thought he was like in the fan art. I was like, oh my gosh, he's putting a claiming mark on her. <laughs> I thought, mm-hmm. like, he was like, you're my mate. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes no sense in the context of where their relationship is at. Then no. you just automatically be like, we fight all the time and I insult you and call you horrible things. Now yeah. I shall meet you. <laughs> so that's, yeah. So that, <laughs> so that is why I was shocked where it happened in the book because mm-hmm. they don't even like each other. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And then when he bit her, it was more of a violent thing. It wasn't yeah. like a passionate thing. So mm-hmm. um, that surprised me. Yeah, <laughs> Just it, saying, because when I saw that fan art and then reading about it, it was two mm-hmm. very different scenarios. <laughs> no, I think I saw the same one as you. Because like, did the one you saw have the quote as well? No, um, no, it did not. Oh, okay. I saw um, a different one then. The it might be the same like, art oh, that there somebody... you are. Oh, yeah, that even gives more. But no, mm-hmm. he said, oh, there you are, didn't he, when she shifted? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So he bit her to force her into a shift. 
Yeah, I think he noticed that she was shifting uncontrollably in the situation with that creature that I think it turned out to be a skinwalker, that creature. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, oh, maybe pain can get her to shift. So I think he was kind of putting the pieces together and then like, Mm -hmm. it's like, let's try this. And (laughs) it worked, I guess. I mean, he got what he was wanting. He got what he wanted. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So at this point, Selena's like, I'm done. I'm not putting up with this. I'm out of here. I don't need these answers that bad. I will find them elsewhere. (laughs) And one of the things that we didn't mention is that when they were on their way to Miss Word, they didn't do any fires. Rome would not make a fire. And she was like, oh, come on. Like, can we not just have a fire? Like creature comforts, like the tiniest little thing I'm asking for here. And he's like, no, we can't do a fire. And when she was on her way back through the forest, because they have to cross this like massive forest. She was like, I'm out of here. It goes back through the forest. But she makes the unfortunate decision, light a fire, not thinking about oh, maybe there was a reason he didn't light the fire other than the fact that he was just being a jerk. Yeah. The reason being that there are creatures out there like the skinwalkers that had just attacked her not that long before. Mm Mm-hmm. So she ends up shifting. She's like, I need to be in my fae form to fight these crazy jerks, (laughs) these crazy Mm -hmm. creatures. So she shifts. And then she even uses some uh, magic to fight them. Well, luckily, Rowan was kind of following her. And so he, like the skinwalkers attack her in this forest on her way back to the human area. And Rowan kind of shows up out of the blue and is like, you need to shift or you will not survive. Mm-hmm. And so they shift together. Well, he's already shifted, obviously. He's just fey. He's in this fey form. And <laughs> yeah. she shifts back into her fey form. And they book it and run. And she has almost like a vision where she sees like their plan of just running is not going to work. Yeah. And they're like going to jump off a cliff or something. And she's like, this isn't like she has like some sort of vision or something. And she's like, this isn't going to work. And then she comes up with this idea to use her magic. Mm-hmm. to blast the skinwalkers. Mm-hmm. So you're like, I don't know if I just pictured it this way or if this is how it's truly described. But what I pictured as I was reading it was like Rowan leapt off the cliff. She leapt off and kind of turned and like, and like, yeah, last them with flat fire. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of what I pictured too. So yeah. yeah. But like, that's huge. That's a massive breakthrough because that's what he's mm-hmm. been trying to kind of, get her to do so she ends up changing her mind and heading back to mistword with rowan like okay i'll I'll come back with you fine (laughs) that was kind of like the first turning point in their relationship where i think they sort of respected what each other were doing Mm -hmm. in that moment yeah meanwhile back in wendlin so there's like news kind of traveling up and stuff um there's these Demi-fae are being killed, but it's it's not just like killed. They're being it's really weird because their bodies are being totally drained of blood. Mm-hmm. And then just like left as these husks. And that's really <laughs> creepy, obviously. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Rowan wants to find out like what's killing these demi-fae and like how. And so um he and Selena decide to work together to kind of investigate, I guess. So there's a little bit of a mystery factor added back in here. Mm -hmm. It's not like the main plot. It's a little side plot. (laughs) It's a little something. Yeah. And um, we also get a really important flashback from Selena's childhood. Mm -hmm. And during this flashback, we learn that Aelin's gift is very special. Yes. And Maeve... We'll hunt her for it. <laughs> yeah. So her, dun, dun, dun. So one thing that we learn is that uh, Selena or Aelin, I guess she's Aelin to her parents. Her parents do not want her to see Maeve. Like Maeve has like asked about her and like wants them to bring Aelin to see her and meet her. And they are like, no way, no go. They cannot meet our child. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we know exactly why. Other than there's something special mm-hmm. about Aelin 
mm-hmm. and they don't think Maeve, they don't want Maeve to know about her or like mm-hmm. know the extent of what she is able to do. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's yeah. a little bit of information, but like mostly just like a nugget. Like you just get the tiniest bit because you don't really understand why they s- no. are so adamant that they cannot meet. Yeah. But it's definitely important to know that her parents want her never to see Maeve. And yeah. now she's like in her clutches. Not quite, but like. Practically. Almost. Practically. She's mm-hmm. under her sort of control in a way. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like Rowan's right there. So I guess she is in her clutches because if she tells Rowan to end her, he will. He will. At this He's point in time, I think he would. Yeah. Yeah. He's kind of just Maeve's uh, sword. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Rowan, being the brilliant person that he is, he always, the brilliant Faye that he is, I'll get this right eventually. He comes up with another plan. So his first absolutely fantastic plan was the whole walking through the mounds and then she ends up getting attacked by this creature. So that went wonderfully. So he's like, I'll try again. Let me do another great sort of plot. Plan. Bring out her <laughs> magic. So this time... He takes one of her little friends she's made. So she, part of her training is she works in the kitchen. So every morning she works in the kitchens and then every afternoon she's training with Rowan and she's made a friend in the kitchens. His name's Luca. He's just like the cutest. And Rowan takes Luca, chains him to this like pole or something in the middle of a lake. And Mm -hmm. then he he freezes the lake because Rowan's power powers ice or like wind mm-hmm. so he can freeze things so he freezes his lake and does or no he did somehow he just chains luca to the center of this um pond i don't know lake yeah inside lake. A cave. yeah so they're yeah. in a cave there's a lake luca is stuck chained and selena has to go and set him free oh it i think it is frozen because she has to use her yep, power it's frozen to yep. freeze through the ice to pull up the chain because the chain is like frozen into the ice. You mean like melt free through, him. yeah. Yeah, yeah, melt through. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. All good. <laughs> <laughs> um, melt the ice to, to free the chain. And so they're she's going about doing this like, oh, poor Luca. And lo and behold, there is a creature in this lake. Yeah, so like a big one. She, <laughs> like a massive, very, very dangerous creature. Yeah. So she is freeing Luca all of a sudden, this creature is, like, attacking them. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, she's able to get Luca to safety. They're able to – I don't know if they – I don't think they defeat the beast, but they – everyone ends well, up being – Well, they escape. Being, yeah. But it's like, come on, Rowan. Think through your plans a little more. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I guess how would he know? How would he possibly know? I guess he just didn't know. He's like, yeah. this looks good. That's a good spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is perfect. Well, and I mean, it, in some ways it is. It's like in a cave, so it's contained and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But yeah. he keeps, he discovered that she's willing to do anything for the people she cares for. So that's yeah. why he's like putting Luca in this situation. Because he's like, if it has to do with someone else, she will do what it takes to save them. Regardless yeah. of how uncomfortable it makes her feel. So he's yeah. like abusing her loyalty to people in order to get her to use her magic, which is really, really sneaky. And it's strategic. It's strategic, but when it comes to like, I guess like, no, I'm not in love with it either. But when it comes to like, he's got a goal Mm -hmm. and he's, he's got, he's under Queen Maeve's command. So he's set forth on this mission and he's going to accomplish it in whatever way he needs to. Mm -hmm. Is the impression I'm given. (laughs) Yeah. There's this crazy scene where they're she's trying to get away and save Luca and get to Rowan mm-hmm. and Rowan's alarmed because he's like, Where'd this monster come from? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Anyway, so there it's it's an awesome scene and you gotta read it in order to understand mm-hmm. its epicness. <laughs> but during this craziness, she ends up acquiring a new sword and a ring from inside this cavern. Mm-hmm. And that is important. So remember that. <laughs> yeah. It's very important. It seems insignificant in that moment, but it definitely is something to know. It's one of those, the things that we say Sarah does so well is you have these tiny moments and you're like, eh, okay, cool. She finds a sword. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. But then it's like, actually, this keep is an eye on that super sword. important. So yeah. Like, let's, yeah. <laughs> so what we're going to do now is we're going to switch perspectives. 
Um, mm-hmm. So that was kind of Selena's for part one of the book. That was Selena and Rowan's story in Era of Fire part one. Okay. So now we're going to s- sort of jump to Dorian and Kale's perspective. We're going to talk about mm-hmm. that. And then we're going to go to Menon's perspective. But for now, we're going to talk about Dorian and Kale. So now we've, we're jumping back to Rifthold. And they are in the Great Hall when mm-hmm. Adian Ash River walks in. He's Aelin's cousin. Yes. So Adion gives kind of a bad boy vibe, I guess. Like he's mm-hmm. Dorian and Kale obviously don't trust him. They fight. They, uh, um, I think they feel like he's almost like a like a loose cannon in a, in some ways. Yeah. Um and alarmingly he's wearing one of those black rings. Yes. So he walks in, he seems very confident. He seems very like he almost comes across as like the playboy type. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit of a player and I think he has his reputation. He does being a bit of a player, playboy yeah. kind of, and yeah, you can instantly see or like instantly tell that there's no love lost between Dorian Kale and Adian. No, it's like they're not friends. It's not like oh, our buddy's back. It's like yeah, here he is again. Here he is again. And the impression I was getting was like this guy is dangerous mm-hmm. and um and powerful too. Yeah. And he I think there's like also a, this this oh. layer of the fact that he is from Terrison, but he like happily works for the king. Yeah, so it's like he is such a snake. Mm-hmm. That's the like impression fully we're embraced, getting. just like completely switching sides. Yeah, yeah. So that's it. It's it gives villain vibes, but <laughs> yeah. And in one part, he <laughs> Dorian's like asked to like take them around, do something with them. It's like, ah, take them out, entertain them. So they go for a walk through the gardens and he just like pushes Dorian into a rose bush or something. Yeah. He just like push, pushes them over. And it's like, okay, that was <laughs> real, unnecessary. Real mature. <laughs> like. I mean, it turned out to be, I guess, kind of a good thing for Dorian because he had to go get fixed up. And so he had to go see a yeah. healer and he mm-hmm. meets a little somebody named Sorsha, yeah, which is lovely, but yeah, it was kind of just a jerk move. It seemed like a jerk move, yeah. Adion comes across as a jerk significantly, yeah. So Kale suspects that Adion is up to something, so he decides he's going to start following him. So Adion always throws these like extravagant parties in Rifthold, as we said, he's kind of like the playboy type, so he's going out and throwing these parties, and Kale's like, I'm gonna go follow him. And he starts following him and he starts to discover that although Adian throws all these parties, he never seems to be there. Yeah. He'll like go to one person and be like, hey, have you seen Adian? And they're like, oh, he's with so-and-so. And then he goes to that person. Have you seen him? No, he's with so-and-so. Oh, he just left. Like there's always, he's never there. But everyone mm-hmm. seems to always have just seen him or something. Everyone, or it's like he gives the impression that he is there and he's this big partying playboy and he's always somewhere doing something with someone yeah but then when you actually look for him it's like where is he yeah he's never actually with the people everyone thinks he's with and so kale's following him and he ends up following him down this like alleyway or something mm-hmm. and he sees adian with the rebel group like the yes. group that kidnapped kale in the previous novel Adian's hanging out with them. He's Mm -hmm. chilling with them. And Kale's like, "Um, excuse me, what? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, clearly at this point, at least it was, I mean, I think it's clear to everybody. Obviously, Adian is putting on this huge front to to cover Mm -hmm. up what he's actually doing, which is still being loyal to (laughs) Terrison. Yeah. So he's being a rebel spy, I guess, in in a way. And Kale discovers this. And now Adian's like, well, I have to kill you, dude. <laughs> kind of blowing my cover, and it's like pretty big cover. Well, and, um, and imagine though, Kale—he's like the head of the king's guard, yeah. kind of. So being discovered by Kale would be disastrous, mm-hmm. <laughs> catastrophic he's, in Adian's mind. 
Yeah, so like, because Kale thinks that Adian is on the king's side. Adian thinks Kale is on the king's side. And in some mm-hmm. ways, Kale still is. Mm-hmm. Um, so Kale does the one thing he can think of to get him out of the situation alive. And he goes, Aelin is alive. Yeah. And which, like, Adian, like, they were best buds. Yeah. And they so loved each other was, like, in, a, in a, like, a platonic brother-sister way. And yeah. uh, so that's... Yeah, massively shocking for him. Mm-hmm. So they all decide to start working together. Yeah. So Kale kind of joins forces and they have their little rebel alliance that they're working on secretly. Yeah. In the and it's there's it's they're not loving each other, but they're on the same side. <laughs> yeah. They are yeah. begrudgingly working together because they have the same goal. Yeah. And I think this is a real turning point where Kale's like, I think at this point it's like he's not really working for the king anymore. I think he's fully kind of gone over to the rebels, kind of to the rebel side. Yeah. Dorian, he is really struggling because he's got this magic that's been emerging Mm -hmm. um, and obviously still trying to hide it. And so poor Dorian, I actually feel so sorry for him throughout Mm the story because he's, he's such a like, I don't know. He's just a likable (laughs) character and he's, and, and it's just really stressful. And when, um, when he was pushed into the rose bush, he went to go like find the healer. Her name is Sorsha, as Nikki mentioned, and he he ends up falling in love with her, and they end up having this whole relationship. So, what do you what did you think of their budding relationship? Um, I thought it was kind of sweet. I was kind of like Dorian always seems to fall for the person he cannot have. Like there was absolutely no way that he, as a soon to be king or future king can marry a healer like that's just so i feel so bad that he always falls in love with the wrong person in like not that they're the wrong person just like an unrealistic person for the life trajectory that he has to take for yeah. who he is so it's like oh he just sets himself up for heartbreak every single time um regarding dorian i whenever i read about him i always feel so sorry for him because mm-hmm. his father is just this hateful bastard <laughs> yeah and, and he's so different yeah he's such he's so different from his father that it's like how are they related right mm-hmm. yeah no i i like the relationship but i feel sad knowing that it can't last forever no because yeah. he is a prince and she's a healer and that's and they have to keep lovely. it quite secret mm-hmm. like from oh. everyone i think they even yeah. keep it secret from like the other healers and yep. Yep, it's yeah. a, it's just complete secret. Mm-hmm. And I think they both tried to fight it at first. Like I do think that they were kind of like this doesn't make any sense, but I mean, you can't the heart wants what it wants. The heart wants what it wants and they like legit fell in love too. It wasn't just yeah. a lust thing. So No, no, it was like yeah. ugh, absolutely love. beautiful. It was. It was yeah. So, now we're going to talk about the newest point of view that has been added to the story, uh, one mm-hmm. that we haven't seen before, and it is of Manon Blackbeak, which is the heir to the Blackbeak witch clan. Yes. Yeah, so Manon is a witch, and we were briefly introduced to rich- witches in previous novels, but this is the first time we actually get the perspective of a witch. Yes. So this is our the first main character witch that we see, and we kind of are introduced to her in a pretty epic way. She is living in this cabin-esque thing and these men come and she's used to it. She's like, oh, here we go again. This seems to be something that she goes through quite often. So these men come up and they start like raiding her cabin, probably looking to do something nefarious with her. And she completely turns on them, kills them. And I think she might eat them. She seems to like the taste of human flesh. Yeah. They, I don't they, know if she like the, the witches them, the witches seem to eat people. They seem to. So <laughs> they like, seem she to definitely eat enjoyed a nibble <laughs> or a drink. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like she just completely destroyed them. And so that's her introduction to witches is this mm-hmm. kind of brutality. She like acts all innocent and stuff, and then like Ooh, out come yeah. the literal iron, iron nails. Uh-huh. And I think her teeth also have iron on them. She can like, they like retract they them. They can and then, like, snick down and snick up. Yeah. 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 
so cool. yeah, she just deals with them. I mean, they were horrible men. You, you can't feel bad. They were going there to do terrible, terrible things. Terrible things. Yeah. So they deserve what was coming to them. But it was quite a first impression, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> She's obviously very powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, so we learned the witches have teamed up with Duke Parrington, of all people. <laughs> They're kind of on... <laughs> the wrong side of things here. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But it's interesting. So uh, they've teamed up with Duke Parrington and the King. Mm-hmm. And do you remember in the previous episodes, we've mentioned this, Caltaine Rompier was mentioning, uh, she kept hearing the, f- the flapping wings, the flapping yeah. wings. And so as it turns out, you know, those are the wyverns that the King mm-hmm. has been breeding in the Farian Gap. And the plan is, is that the witches are, gonna ride these wyverns Mm -hmm. so which are like dragons but don't have don't have them yeah so they're just they just have like like just the back legs and the the wings yeah yeah that's the difference (laughs) i had to actually look (laughs) it up in case anyone didn't know (laughs) is it just yeah is it um i i did look it up because i was like what is this just another word for dragon and but Mm -hmm. no there is a it's an actual difference so Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the three clans of the Iron Teeth witches have made their way to the Farian Gap to do mm-hmm. training with the Wyverns. Yeah, and I guess which is so I guess exciting. even just like choose or whatever their their Wyverns yeah. to ride because yeah, they're, they like, they're not they're not like a bond. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think like it's sad because I like the witches, but it's sad they're on the wrong team. But at the same time, it makes complete sense. Because every time we've heard about them in previous books, they're evil. They're straight up evil. They're straight up evil, so it makes vicious, sense. like, they're mm-hmm. on the wrong side of things. And that's kind of where they belong, it seems. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we are introduced to the fact that there's actually three clans. So they there's kind of two types of witches. There are the Iron Teeth Witches. Which are these more vicious, ferocious witches. And there are three clans within the Iron Teeth, which are the Black Beaks, which Manon is the heir to, the Yellow Legs, and the Blue Bloods. Mm-hmm. So three different clans, but under all under the heading of Iron Teeth Witches. Mm-hmm. And each clan has like a matron, like a, a head witch, I guess, and then yep. their heir. So the that's matron sort of is kind of structure. like the way that it's structured in the clans. The matron seems mm-hmm. to be like the queen of yeah. the clan. Like that's, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and yeah, Menon is the heir. So her grandmother is the matron to her Blackbeak clan. Mm-hmm. Part of the training to ride the wyverns, one witch from, I guess, I guess just one witch in general, <laughs> will mm-hmm. be chosen uh, to be the wing leader. Um, mm-hmm. of the wyvern riding witches and then in order to to determine who's going to be the wing leader they will have a competition to see who who that will be i guess probably yeah. the strongest of them all right mm-hmm. i think that's such a like cool idea i was really looking forward to that chapter where yeah. we actually get to it's like I don't, it's not quite the Hunger Games, but like, you know, something similar. The Olympics yeah. of witches. <laughs> the Olympics of witches. Um, yeah. The Coliseum thing. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah. So when it comes time for the witches to pick their wyvern mounts, it's <laughs> interesting because, you know, like, obviously you want a vicious, big, powerful mount, right? Mm-hmm. Manon ends up choosing a wyvern. That's being used as like the bait beast. So he's like the lowest of the low, right? Mm-hmm. He's not even supposed to be considered. No, he's not just like to a training puppy. Yeah. So, but she, but she, yeah. But she saw something in this wyvern. Mm-hmm. And so she chose him and everybody was like, what are you thinking? Yeah. And he's smaller too. Yeah. <laughs> Poor so she. Aw. She has this kind of beef with the heir of the Yellow Leg clan. And that witch pushed Manon into the pit with the Wyverns. Wyverns. Mm-hmm. And while she was in the pit, 
the beast that Manon was going to choose, like this big mess, I think it's called like Titus. Mm-hmm. She was going <laughs> to choose him. So she's pushed into the pit with him. He's like the biggest of them, of the wyverns. And a, the other little bait wyvern is also in the pit. So it's the two of them and her. And she actually sees the little guy almost like not protecting her, but kind of for like he fights against this massive big beast. So she teams up with this small wyvern to defeat the massive wyvern to like yeah. save her life. And then yeah. at that moment, she's like, I'm going to pick him because he might not be the biggest and the strongest, but he has heart and he yeah. has like perseverance. Yeah. Even in the it's face like of so what sweet. seems like impossible odds, mm-hmm. he's fighting against Titus. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think although Manon is clearly extremely vicious and mm-hmm. very little, uh, appears to have very little <laughs> compassion, if any. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, there's something kind of inside of her that is a little mm-hmm. bit softer for her to choose this wyvern. Yeah. No, she definitely cares more about their personality than just their brute force. Yeah. And she says like, he's a warrior. Like she wanted someone with that heart. Yeah. I know. And <laughs> <It's> so touching. <laughs> so she names him Abraxas. Yeah. Abraxas, yeah. Abraxos, Abraxas. He, so she names him Abraxas and she ends up actually giving him, cause he was a bait wyvern. He like didn't have his teeth. He was like quite beat up Mm-hmm. And she ends up giving him iron teeth to match hers. Mm-hmm. And she puts like iron spikes on his tail because like all of that was taken out of him so that he couldn't hurt the uh-huh. other ones. Yeah. And so she like completely suits fixes him up. Fixes him up. Yeah. Fixes him up. And then she does something else that's really, really special. And she goes on this mission and gets some spider silk and that's like a really cool scene where she, she gets a out. lot of spider silk too mm-hmm. but she doesn't she doesn't bargain with the spiders like you're supposed to she mm-hmm. steals it <laughs> yeah she's yeah. like so crafty she is and uh she ends up equipping him with spider silk to fix his wings because his wings were effed <laughs> yeah but she fixes them and spider silk is also described to be very beautiful so mm-hmm. he's got like I'd like to see some fan art of him, like mm-hmm. really highly detailed fan art with, you know, the yeah. iron teeth. When I was picturing the iron teeth, they're probably like just iron teeth. <laughs> yeah. I was for some reason picturing like iron teeth that were obviously very big and sharp, but also had some ornate detailing on it. I don't know why. Oh, that but would wouldn't be that cool. be cool? Yeah. 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 I like Not that. practical at all, but it would be cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So that's and kind of Menon's story in part one. Uh, mm-hmm. She ends up with Abraxas and all the witches are very derisive of that. But Yeah. Oh, her grandma is absolutely upset about that situation. Yes. Like disappointed. Like you betrayed the family. Her grandmother is hardcore. <laughs> her grandmother is kind of a hateful being. I have feelings about that. Me too. Me too. Like I, She, just, she yeah. is the epitome of a witch. Yeah. She's a witch with a capital B, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Whenever I read about her grandmother, I just feel my hackles going up. Like, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, but it is what it is. And that's the matron mm-hmm. of the Blackbeak clan. So, yeah. I mean, I guess it makes sense. All right. I think that concludes part one of Era Fire. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. In the next episode, we will be continuing on with Air of Fire uh, Part 2. Yeah, we hope to see you there. Bye-bye for now. <laughs>